Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm recording in three different other places. Yeah. Mine says 14 minute mark right now. Yep. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve and here with me is Kevin. Hey guys. This episode number is 47, Going Big. 47? Yeah. Oof, we're getting up there in those numbers, huh? I know. We're almost reaching my actual age. Oh, boy. What is that, like 84? <laughs> yeah. That's 84. No, reverse it. 74. No. Wait, how is 84? Uh, oh, reverse 47. Okay, reverse 47. I was, yeah. I was like, how do you reverse 84 and get 47? <sighs> okay. Anyways... <laughs> oh man how's your week been it's been good man it actually has been pretty good yeah i don't know if that's um due to the fact that i'm working on a job right now where all i do is sit and watch people like i'm the liability on the job wow. it's really it's it's kind of stupid and and i don't know it's difficult to explain and easy to explain all together it's it's really dumb like nobody wants to take uh, responsibility on this job so there's nothing for me to actually do because there's no parts, but there's electricians there doing pipe work and stuff like that. So sure. if they screw up at all, they're going to blame my company because I'm there supervising them more or less. But I'm just sitting there doing absolutely – well, not nothing because I've been watching a lot of flight test videos and a lot of <laughs> YouTube. So I can't say I'm doing nothing. But that, thank God that only lasted like three days because I was going nuts, man. Yeah. Like. I, I don't know. Some guys are like, oh, you're kidding. I'd love to get paid to do nothing. But yeah, but uh, I don't know, dude, after sitting in that van for like a couple hours, I'm like, I can't I can't sit there. My back starts to hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like my, you know, my knees are. Ugh. You need to go to Sharper Image again. One of those things you put on the seat. Massage your bag. You know, you could get a foot again. One of those uh, foot spa thingies. Bust oh, out the your, foot spa? <laughs> bust out your laptop with your, <laughs> you know, transmitter and start simming. Record a podcast, edit a podcast, you know. <laughs> I actually thought about, yeah, editing, but um, it's a little tough. Yeah. So I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. But, I mean, I've just been, like I said, I watched a couple. What was I watching today? I was watching some videos on um, one guy was putting a lift kit on his Jeep, so I was watching that. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so stupid stuff like that, man. Yeah. And, you know, it just dawned on me. I never ask you how your week has been. So how has your week been? My work week? <laughs> How was your week been? Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see. Cigarette break, coffee, <laughs> close a ticket or two, cigarette break, coffee, lunch, and then snack, and then no. No, it's been good. It's, um, I kid, uh, you know, I do a lot of work. Uh, yeah, see, at that point in time, I would be busting your chops about, oh, yeah, really, you work in IT, that's right. Um, but <laughs> I actually did nothing, so yeah, no, you know, I really don't want to bust your chops about it. But seriously, like I don't know. I mean, I I've been doing a bit of uh, setting up servers and kind of setting up my current project that I've been working on for like the last year. <laughs> I've oh, nice. uh, oh, a little less than a year now, but um, basically the last portion of our testing is we want to make sure all the log files uh, on the server are being sent to our our. Uh, it's called a Elk stack, Elasticsearch, Logstash, Kibana, 
it's this uh, logging thing. It's a server that basically logs other servers, and you know you could basically go in there and search um, all the log files from multiple you know um, machines in one destination, in one server. So it's kind of cool. So do you have a, a server set up in your bathroom that you're sending emails off of, like company emails? No, you doing no. anything like that? No, but no. I did delete a lot of emails recently. <laughs> I don't know if that um, means anything. Are you currently under FBI investigation? I am hopefully not. Okay, good. <laughs> but, there, but you know, whenever I go on my Wi-Fi, I do see this FBI surveillance van number three. I'm not sure. Oh, you know. that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, I don't actually see that. I've always wanted to set up my, my, my Wi-Fi like that. Not that anyone would probably fall for it, but I don't know. That would be pretty uh, funny anyways. <laughs> My stuff is always set up uh, NCOM systems or something Tron related. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. I should do something like, uh, I mean, mine is kind of funny. Mine's VTOL. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> I guess maybe because of helicopters and, <laughs> and some, you know, uh, flight test stuff. I kind of did a, you know, vertical takeoff landing type of deal. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, just work is work, you know? Like, I kind of... I like to, I, I try, it's hard, you know, I try to do a, a good work-life balance where I'm, when I'm work, I'm concentrating on work a lot. I don't do a lot of, like, YouTube or Facebook or, like, you know, like a lot of my coworkers and stuff, they'll be, like, sending GIFs here and there. And I just kind of try to concentrate on getting shit done. And, yeah. then, and then when I come home, it's like, I don't want to, I disconnect. I don't want to do any work while some of my coworkers will log in and do work and respond, you know, they're definitely better in responding emails than I am and stuff with, uh, you know, just kind of help this corp IT type of stuff. But, um, I mean, recently, no, I, I hear you, dude. Yeah. And I'm the same way, dude. Once, yeah. once I get stuff going mm-hmm. and like my head's down and I'm working, dude, it's like all of a sudden it's like three o'clock and I'm like done, you know? And yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't bring a plane with me or a helicopter or look to fly on lunch or anything like that, which right. I would love to, if I could do it, but oh, no, me I, too. I, I can't do that, man. I'm, I'm trying to work through lunch and, Get in at seven, get out at three, and be done with it. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's kind of where my work week is always. It's kind of always the same stuff. Like, there's always things that I'm trying to um, just trying to make headway with this project, and then you know, I get a lot of people walking up to me. Oh, I need help with this, this, this. Yeah, sure. Let's get this going. And then there's like a whole big ticket queue, or you know, we, we on the average, I think my team of uh, eleven people, we close out. In a week, anywhere from two to three hundred tickets. Um, oh wow! A week, yeah. So it's you know we, we get a lot of work done at at our company size. We're basically, um, you know, we need more people like for my team because if you think about it, with nine club manager, I think we're eleven, and we're supporting over twelve hundred people. So it's you know it's basically, I think on the average you want to be one hundred fifty user per tech. But the other thing is, is that, you know, not all techs are on the same level. We have different, what we call IC levels, individual contributors. And, you know, some folks are more on the basic side as an IC1, entry level type of deal. Um, then we have like the IC2s that kind of know their way around things but still need help. And then you have your IC3s, which are like, they start to get into that kind of expert or staff engineer type of deal where like you've basically, you know, you know, you're the one who uh, people go to to get things like, high level stuff like you know fix and stuff so um dude i'm regretting asking you how your week was <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about yeah it gets this complicated sorry man no nah, it's cool but uh 
but yeah, that's my work week. It's work. So how's your RC work? Uh, not work, but RC week then. Well, I'm gonna start off with the thing I did in the last like hour, which was the reason why I was kind of late getting to the computer tonight to record this. Is uh, I've been working on my charging case, and I've been 3D printing um, replacement pieces for the 3D printed pieces I had already mm-hmm. that kind of warped over the the summer. I mean, I learned a lot from like how to design it better and uh, you know structure it better so it won't warp. Hopefully, um, in the heat this summer. Um, and I had to redesign the fans because I, I moved on to 80 millimeter fans instead of 60s. Mm-hmm. So I got it all apart and the pieces came out great. I got the 3D printer dialed in. It's printing in ABS and it's printing really good. So I got the pieces all done and I was putting it all together and I hooked up 12 volt output off the server power supplies to my fans mm-hmm. and went and turned it on. And for some reason, the server power supply failed and i was like what the heck what happened here like did Uh-oh. i and i didn't know whether it was shorting on the 12 volt output you know so i was checking the fans and i'm i'm pulling the plug and i'm rebooting the, the power supplies and and it's now i'm checking it with my meter and it's not you know uh displaying 12 volts it's it's not outputting 12 volts where it should so i'm like crap what did i blow this thing i'm like how, how did how did this happen just just all of a sudden like it didn't work what I wound up doing was when I had the old setup, I have I have an odd setup because I had to use push buttons. I couldn't use switches like any normal human being. So I had to use these crazy push buttons that are illuminated, mm-hmm. you know, that look like something out of freaking Tron. And uh I mean they do look awesome. I do <laughs> I do like your your momentary yeah. push buttons, you know. But but exactly that. They're momentary. So yeah. now so how do you latch the actual, you know, server connection that little it's kind of like a trans a transistor, you know, where you're actually using a small amount of current to flow a larger current. Mm-hmm. It's it's similar in that respect. On like how a relay. It's almost like yeah, how your how your PC turns on. You know, it's not you're not running full voltage through that button. Right. You know, mm-hmm. your power supply is is activated by a short. So I have a little relay board set up that takes five volts in, which is thank God constant on the server when I plug the power in. Yep. I have an output of five volts constant. So uh, it lights up the little lights and it it turns on the the relay board. So when I actually hit the button, creates um, a short on the two two relays. What I had done before was I had hooked up each server power supply separate to to, to their own individual relay, and that was fine. It worked fine. This time, what I did was I said, "Oh, I'll just parallel that wire going back to the relay board, and I'll just use one relay." And for some reason, it didn't like that at all. I don't know why. But as soon as I I pulled, I kind of pulled the one side out because I could see the LEDs on the power supplies turning on. I could see one turning on and one not turning on. And then when I when I would do it again, the other one would turn on and the the one wouldn't turn on. And it was weird. So I was like, oh, that's what's going on here. I said, let me let me just try shorten that directly because I have it on little servo wire extensions because you don't need a lot. of It doesn't need a lot of current. It all just needs to see a short. So I so I jumped the one and left the other one plugged in. And they both turned on and I was like, okay. And as soon as I wound up, you know, redoing it to where I had each going back to each individual relay, it, um, it worked fine. I don't know. It must've been something between the two power supplies that it didn't like, you know, the activation short. Right. So that's why I was late oh. to get that a podcast. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. Cause I'm, I'm now I'm like, I'm looking around for the other power supplies that I had. 
yeah uh, that you gave me and that i had gotten from different places and i was like oh crap now i'm gonna have to redo this case man this sucks because it's Ooh. it's like i'm almost to the end now right i'm i'm, I'm ready to i want to mount that little free fall rc thing that you printed out for me i'm gonna uh-huh. i want to paint the back face and and get done with it you know and put some leds in yeah to illuminate that but sorry man so that's why i was i was oh, late that's cool but other than that man we flew on sunday um yeah yeah I flew the Oxy a few times, and man, I worked Saturday like ten hours, so I wasn't even sure if I was going to make it to the field on Sunday. But I, and you know, it's one of those things where like I'm, I'm saying to myself, I'm, I'm tired. I really don't want to get, get in the truck and like drive again, you know, right. down the field and and load everything up. But once I got down there, I was like, I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I just got mm-hmm. gotten Kim down, you know. And I didn't bring a lot of stuff. I brought two helicopters and my little tiny, um, micro beast. A yep. little tiny, um, I don't even know what the heck, you, the AS3X Beast, the Beast X, not, it's not the Beast X, it's the, uh, yeah. it's the small biplane Beast. The UMX the, Beast? UMX Beast, yeah, yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know crap. <laughs> I don't even know what I have. <laughs> but we did some live streaming of the Oxy, yep. uh, I think once, and you got, a, you got another video of me flying that, and uh, so thanks for recording that. And then we set the 570 up on the V control. Hell yeah, that was awesome. Which was which was awesome, yeah, man. Which was a learning experience, not just for you, but also for me. Yeah, because at one point, after like through it, I'm like, oh man, I thought this was easier. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it would be easier if I knew how to set up a Talon EXE with without having a Gov output, right? There's no RPM output, so I'm like, ooh, I don't know how to set up the governor on this thing. I don't know how to set your flight modes, you know, your banks, uh, you know, with your different head speeds. So we kind of just winged it and, you know, we got it somewhat figured out. Yeah. And it was flying. It was flying close to how the icon was. I mean, flight characteristics, I couldn't tell the difference because mm-hmm. I don't think I'm, I'm that experienced. Like it was flying really good. I didn't hear any like gain in the tail or anything that needed to be adjusted. It was it was it was cranking around pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was only the. It was only that motor, man, that was dropping. It would drop from time to time, and it, I think it's because it was of the no governor. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, so for our listeners, basically, you know, when I when I set up V-bars, I always have an RPM output out the ESC, whether it's a Castle Phoenix Edge 120 or the 160 I have I used to have in the uh, Goblin 700. But, um, you know, Talon, um, what is it, Talon 120, right? I think it's a it's a newer one, you know, like the black with the green letters. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have an RPM output, so it uses the castle's internal gov, which I'm I believe is set up. And and one of the things we weren't sure about it was a uh, you know you could set your throttle output on the V control. So I was like, all right, well, we'll try like fifty. I think what did we do like fifty, sixty, and eighty or something like that. Yeah. At first, sixty, seventy, and eighty, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, what actually hit me later on is like, wait a minute. I know when I set up the, when I used to run a castle internal gov before V control when I was on the icon, it was always 30, 70, 100. Those are your, um, your linear curves that you need, not linear curves, flat curves, sorry, that you need to set for the ESC to know that, hey, he just went from 30 to 70. I need to go to idle two, you know, or 70, 100. I need to go to idle three. Um, oh, okay. So we should, Set it that way. I know I think it's probably like 50, 70, 100 or something like that. But yeah, we should set it 30, 70, 100 and see how that goes. Well, I think what I'm going to wind up doing is changing that ESC out. 
Awesome. So, so if anybody's looking for a Castle 120, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna change it out for Hobby Wing. And the Hobby Wing isn't that much off. I think it's the 130 with the BEC is 299. And, oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. Is that a lot or a little? <laughs> All right, so maybe I'm keeping this one. I don't know. Well, I mean, you could always look at it as you sell this for like eighty to hundred bucks. You offset the cost of the other one, obviously. You know, yeah, true. You are going to spend some money on it. It's not going to be a direct, you know, trade or anything like that. What would be really nice is hooking up the UI sensor that you have temporarily without, like, maybe cutting the leads, so that way you can actually see how much amps you're pulling. If your max amp is at like 100 or 110, you might be able to get away with a 100 uh, amp um, hobby wing, which is like really cheap. It's, I think the 100 amp I put in the Goblin, in fact, I have one I could probably let you borrow, um, was only like 80 bucks or 60 bucks. Oh, wow. But when what you a get, difference. Yeah, when you get to that 120, 130 range, um, it definitely goes up in price because it's high voltage. It can handle, you know, 12S, 14S, and stuff like that. But since you're running 6S, I mean, if you're not pulling a lot of amps, you might be able to get away with it, you know? Yeah. Definitely have to hook up a UI sensor, know how many amps you're pulling, peak especially, you know, and, and you know, continuous, so that way you don't overexert that ESC and blow it up and, and then have a, an ESC fire or have your heli crash. That'd be the worst thing, you know? Yeah, that would suck. So what'd you think? What's your first take? I know I think uh, Anthony uh, posted to your picture and asked, what do you think? And I don't know if you replied back. No, I don't think I did. I definitely like the ease of being able to change the settings. I mean, that that that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. The, the throttle itself is really super smooth. So my thumb was actually had had to learn that, you know, there's no there's barely any feedback really on that. You know, my thumb was kind of like, Hey, what's going on? Right. There's no you resistance, know, it, right? There's no reason. Yeah, there's no feedback. It's kind of like just floating there. So that was that was a little jittery. My thumb was a little jittery on that. I don't mm-hmm. know. But yeah, dude, I, I liked it. Nice. I definitely I, thought it was pretty awesome, man. I mean, aside from the ESC, the setup was super easy. Right. The physical actual like setting your zero pitch, setting your swash level, setting your, uh, your plus and negative pitch. It was like nothing, right? It was just like, okay, done. Next one, done. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you we you took it up for a pack and you're hovering it and you're kinda we were doing the uh the optimization, right? Where you do the flips and the tail pure right. and stuff. And then I think the next battery pack, you know, I had you kinda like fly it a little and I was like, Oh yeah, you're getting some cyclic bobble, three bladed head. Let's turn it right down. You landed, you turn it down, you flew it and it was like, Oh, it's gone. Right? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It's freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, so think about once you start getting better and you start like noticing like, oh, I, you know, I'm getting a little bobble here or I'm getting a little something here. And, you know, you could just tune it around the spot. The other thing that we haven't even done yet because it started picking up, the wind started picking up a little is uh, we didn't do any trim flights. So you could actually trim flight it where it basically hovers and starts to tilt one way and you can kind of just let it tilt and it fixes itself. Really? Yeah. And then. Once it finds that sweet spot where it doesn't need any trim to stay hovering perfect, you do you could do stationary pirouettes one handed like one finger just you know with your other right hand completely off the stick. You'll see when, when we get that set up. Yeah, it's it's 
it, it really is. And it's a good fly this unit, you know. I mean, it is costly, but once you got once you're going through the setup and you started flying, even with the bobble, you're like, okay, this is good, yeah. right? Like it didn't feel you didn't have any bad tendencies. Like nothing felt like it was no. gonna fall out of the air. No. So no, not at all. No, it felt good. And you have one more uh, V bar, right? Yes. Yeah. So what do you think you're gonna put that in? I don't know. You know, I I'm not sure. I. You know, it's really going to be a toss-up between the Goblin 380 and maybe the one of the Oxys. That I mean, those are the only models I have left. I should probably just throw it in the Oxy. Um, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. No, I don't know what would, what would you do. I mean, a part of me is saying, fly the better fly fly barless unit or the one you can tune and mess with on the fly in the 380, especially with the rescue and it's all set up. Like, there's no like. Kind of like you, you cal, you can't, you can't calibrate the um the rescue as far as like is it pitching one side to another. But I've never needed to, and I feel like that rescue just it's kind of like an iPhone. It just works. You don't have to really mess with it. That was something I had a problem with Bolt where I didn't know. Like I have it on a now when you you hit the rescue, it's on the toggle there or it's on a momentary. It's on a momentary. So for. Uh, for the V control, you and I'm sure you notice um, when you're flying it that that the two top far switches, um, they're three way switches, but they're actually one way and then a momentary one way. So so that half step before you get to that momentary, I, actually sorry, that's only on the top left one. The top right one is a three way switch. Yeah. Um, but the top left one, it's a half click, and then it's it's the rescue. So. If it's clicked all the way down, you just click it all the way up, and it hits rescue, and then it, it turns itself off because, um, well, it goes back into like that momentary switch off position, um, and then rescue will stay on until it self levels itself and and climbs. So like, oh, okay. So if, if it's like if it can't self level itself, you'll hear like rescue on, silence, silence, rescue off. You know when it actually does self level itself. So um, okay. I think the rescue feature, from my limited experience with Icon, I never really used it. It always pitched one way. And when I hit rescue, it always go like right or left or back at me. I never yeah. got it to like just go straight, you know, level. And and actually, I don't think I've ever messed with the rescue, quote, air quotes, just the self-level. You now, know see, I have the – I flew the Icon – on the 380, I'm still flying it on 380 in the Oxy, obviously, but on the 570, actually on the 380 and the 570, they would do exactly what you said. They would just go straight up or flip over and go straight up. And now on the Sport, for some reason, that sucker's pitching way to the left, like if I hit rescue. And I don't know why, but I have had it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why all of a sudden it started to do that. And did you, you had it set up before? Um, or, or is this still the old firmware where it just self-levels? I must have had it set up. I mean, because I've hit rescue on all of them. Mm. I know I've hit rescue on that sport. I've had to. I think I've hit it three times one flight. <laughs> uh, and, it, and and the other reason why I put on a 380 is that, besides that I feel that the V-Bar Rescue is a little more reliable, is that it's a more expensive bird to fix. So if yeah, rescue yeah, doesn't yeah. work, you know, on an Oxy, okay, yeah, maybe 100 bucks with blades, but... Um, you know, you know from your recent Goblin Crash, the 380 is not a cheap bird to fix. No. So, I mean, that's my take on it. 
you know. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. I don't care. No. <laughs> but it was a it was a nice day of flying, man. And yeah, dude, I flew that little beast, and it flew like I was indoors. I mean, I was having a blast with that thing. I haven't uh-huh. flown that thing in probably since. No, I don't even think we brought it. I brought it out to Neff. You brought it to Neff. Mm-hmm. You didn't bring it Did to I? Flight Fest. Yeah, you brought it to Neff. No, I didn't bring it to Flight Fest. Yeah. I don't remember bringing it to to Neff. Maybe I don't remember flying it. I knew I flew the 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 Twisted Hobbies Beaver man like crazy at Neff. Yeah, and I was having a ball with that. I feel like sometimes I feel like you should just bring that because that's all you need to have fun, right? Yeah, right. Just throw that and just go. Yeah, yeah. That and uh, and like four pounds of uh, uh, foam tack. <laughs> foam tack and and I got to bring the um the Habu to Neff because that's an annoying little jet. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you didn't bring the micro beast. I mean, I think you had to fix it or something, maybe. Dude, I still got freaking electrical tape as the one spar hold between the two wings. I still have I got an all new. I think I almost have a completely new plane. I have all new wings, a fuselage and spar for that thing. And I just haven't taken the time to move the stuff over to it. Because I never fly that freaking thing. I got that, dude. I got the Habu. I got the um. I got the P-40. Mm-hmm. And I got that Corsair, and I've never flown the Corsair. And I'm probably going to, if we do a swap or something this year or whatever, I'm probably going to sell that P40 and the Corsair. Because they're just those single one-cell batteries, man. And uh, they're yeah. just a pain, man. I mean, I like them. They, they're, they're cool, but uh, they're just way too small for me. Yeah. Which fits our topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how was your flying week, though? We didn't get into that. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you it, you couldn't ask for a better day when your expectation is, oh man, I got to get out there early because it's going to rain today. Yeah, or that it's no um, November. I was going to say, or that it's October. Yeah, and that it's it's going to be you know really cold. It'll probably be windy because it's fall. But no, it was maybe five mile per hour gusts, and it was sunny and it was t shirt weather. And I it even, was it was eighty five, dude. When I got yeah. my jeep to leave. And I and you were like, I should have brought my shorts out. Like that's the type of weather it was. Yeah. And it was like, what was what day was that? The uh, October thirtieth. You know, we're so far. Yeah. In in uh, in October, and it was eighty five degrees, sunny, low winds. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better day. No, it was fantastic. Um. So one thing I'm I'm I was really happy that I was doing is with the Oxy three cube, and I was doing pure flips under ten feet. <laughs> yeah like i wish we recorded it because i've never done it that low like you know i've done maybe 15 20 or 25 feet around there you know like a little above a story building but i mean to do it like i mean not eye level but damn near close <laughs> damn near close to it yeah, yeah. I, was say. I was like wow so you know I, I was having a great time with the oxys i, I really do enjoy the oxys in fact i feel like i enjoy the oxys better than the 380 now yeah, and and then beyond that, I enjoy I'm enjoying the seven hundreds. So, but I did fly the uh, the Oxy three cube, the Oxy three Tarek, um, the three eighty, the seven hundred Goblins, and then the Logo seven hundred. I have to say, I love Goblins. I mean, I love the way they look. Um, <laughs> I might have to sell the G seven hundred. It's a great heli. But after flying the logo, 
I just realized like that extra like pound and a half to two pounds that that helicopter weighs more than the logo. I really feel the difference now. I can tell the difference when I, I did two flights on the Goblin Seven Hundred. You know, you get that first and second flight, you settle in, and then you do a f- two flights on the logo, and just like no, this this thing is way lighter. If it just floats so much easier, I barely go negative collective um, when I'm doing the pyro flips. You know, I feel like it's more reactive, faster. I have all the same rates across the board. Same pitch, you know, same positive negative 13 degrees. Same, uh, pretty close to the same head speeds on both. You know, they might be off by maybe 20 or, or 60 RPM. Um, blade sides, I'm running 715s on Cyclones on the, uh, the logo 700 and I'm running 710s on the Zeal. Maybe I'll swap them to see if, you know, the blades are really making a big difference. Yeah, I was just going to make a joke. <laughs> like, oh, that's it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could be. I mean, you know, you got a heavier bird running smaller blades and a lighter bird running bigger blades. So, um, yeah. it could be. It's it's only what? I think 750, yeah, 5 millimeters bigger. Cyclones are different in design and their airfoils different and they they have like that wider uh cord as it goes out to the tips so yeah that, maybe that try swapping them yeah yeah that or um i have a set, set of seven well i'll i was supposed to pick it up on sunday but i'm gonna try to pick it up later this week is uh the vtx 717s i'm just worried about putting that on a goblin it seems like the the blades would hit the tail blades especially running the 115s in the back for the goblin, so maybe I'll switch those out to 105s and try it. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Not really. I don't think I'm really progressing. I just feel like I'm uh, perfecting my moves a little bit better, like getting more comfortable with them. You Dude, know? as long as you're having fun. Yeah. Yeah, but I want to progress. That's you know? it. It's it's yeah. both. I want to have fun and I want to get better. It's not. I don't want to ever get bored of of flying helis, and for me not to get bored. I just try to just push that little that little bit. I don't know if that's possible, man. Only because I only say that because I do stuff I like one week and I don't do it for like a month. And then I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, that's right. I could have done that. Yeah. And and it's only three minutes at a shop. So, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I don't know if you're looking for a 700, maybe uh, we could work out a deal. Oh boy! And the only reason I say this, uh, if I do get, if I, I want another, I want to keep a seven hundred, like two seven hundreds, but I might have to go with that Black Thunder seven hundred because that is a pound and a half lighter than the competition. So the Black Thunder. Yeah. Do I spend like, you know, even if I sold you the airframe pretty cheap, do I spend like, you know, five six hundred just to swap out between them? I don't know. No, dude, you sell it all pretty cheap to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'd probably yeah. sell the motor the esc and the airframe yeah maybe the battery packs i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't got money yeah that makes two of us all right so on that <laughs> note let's talk about spending more money now <laughs> yeah let's go to the main topic here all right all right going big Going big. Yeah. So what do we mean by going big? What we mean is, you know, throughout when you start your hobby career and, you, and you're and having fun and you start, you know, 
buying these models, most of us don't just jump into a 700 or don't just jump into a 105 inch wingspan, um, you know, 3D plane or a, a turbine jet. We start small, right? I mean, right. it makes sense. Yep. Co- cost is cheap. They crash better. Repairs are cheaper. Um, at, you know, at the smaller size too, a lot of it is air quotes again, kind of, um, ready to fly or, or bind and fly type of deal, getting into horizon stuff. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, for the beginner, when you're first getting into it, yeah, you don't want something that's too expensive, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, which is that mid range, like park flyer range yeah. stuff or, or something you build yourself. Right. You know, for, for Kevin and I, we, we, I, I mean, I'm sure you bought like foamy warbirds and stuff kind of like when you first started out and then realized that this isn't really, <laughs> this isn't oh, yeah. really easy, right? Like, and then you kind of get discouraged. You know, I, I started when I was a kid as with balsa kits. So I, you know, in less than a year, I got really discouraged of like, I just, I can't fly it, you know? Well, I started with that damn Mustang that I should have never bought, but it was, it was $99. It was from uh, nitro planes. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. I can tell you where and w- where I was when I bought it. I was staying at the Tuscany in Las Vegas. I was sitting at the pool. Ah, uh, a couple of cocktails, huh? <laughs> I said to my wife, "I just bought an airplane." She's like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, I just bought a P fifty one on you know. It should be home when we get home." And uh, was yeah, she like, was like, "Wait a minute, how much you spent on that airplane?" <laughs> like, yeah, did she think it was full scale? No, 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 no. She was just like, she knows me by now. She just rolls her eyes. Whatever, <laughs> right? But I had tried. I had ventured into um, like I built one from mikey's rc i think his mustang i built back in the day mm-hmm. and uh yeah and i was kind of discouraged i was discouraged with the mustang for two reasons one the first flight i had with it i crashed into a tree really high up and the story that goes along with that is pretty mm-hmm. hysterical but two that friggin' thing couldn't taxi anywhere but on a, a plane of glass like if it wasn't right. perfectly flat it would nose over like that you couldn't take off and land that thing on the grass and do you think it was just your skill level being a complete, you know, novice, or do you think it's like? No, I still have that model today, and I still can't take off and land on the grass. Okay. With it, it's just the way that thing is. It the the wheels are so close to the CG mm-hmm. that it's not. It kind of teeters, right? It's easy to flip over, or not flip over, but nose. Down, yeah, I guess you can't take off, right? Yeah. Hmm. So that's why the flight test stuff was so great because the next plane I think I built was the um, it was the baby blender and the Versa wing, yeah. you know, um, and that's where I kind of learned. I kind of started to learn how to fly. I was flying. I really didn't know what I was, you know, getting from it. But, uh, yeah, that was that was where I started to learn with the Versa wing, you know, and that right. thing was that thing's a tank. I still yeah. have that model today. I think it's built from Dollar Tree foam board. It's, there's no covering on it, and it's almost almost four years old now. Wow! I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and it, it cost me less than a hundred bucks. Right. But when did I go? Like, when did I go into a, a larger plane? I guess since the thing is, you know, we're talking about is mm-hmm. is going big, and when you should go big, I would definitely say when you're when you're intermediate. Yes. I I think a lot a lot of mistakes I see guys making, and I I equate nitro planes to larger planes only because they're they're faster yes yeah and you you need to know what you're doing like i flew uh, our president mike his he let me fly his nitro 
um, I think it was an ugly stick. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he asked me if I wanted to land it. I mean, he knew I could I could land it, but he said, you know, you have to be on top of it when you land it. You have to know what you're doing because uh, it lands quick too. So, I mean, that's what I see like a lot of guys doing. That sh- I don't know. I don't think they should be flying nitro because because of the, the relationship between nitro and 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 being a quick plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see a lot of accidents from that. Yeah. So let's kind of roll it back. Um, back in the day, I mean, nitro was kind of the only option for engines, right? You, you had yeah. no choice but to go nitro, and and also you had no choice but to go balsa kits. Yeah. So back then, sure, you know, you you, you basically you want to get in a hobby, balsa nitro. That was your your main thing. But nowadays, well, it's not the case. That, no. You know, people are starting smaller with foam, whether it's Dollar Tree foam FT planes. Or whether it's like Horizon Hobby and buying a fly, I think that's gotten a lot of people into the hobby too. Yeah, because they're 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 like two hundred dollars. You know, yeah, they're, they're reasonable too. Right, like, like, and even if you didn't have a transmitter, you could get like a champ for like one fifty, and that you'll be flying. Yeah. So when when do you, when does someone go big? You know, in the airplane world, I think going big is when you can confidently fly pretty much anything that's given to you in your hands like you can fly your your flight test planes you can take off land you can do circuits you can fly at yourself like you know like towards yourself you could kind of have all orientation down right i was i was going to definitely say when you can take off and land and yes those are going to be your two major things and with a larger plane you know spinning a larger prop obviously you want to be aware of Mm -hmm anybody spectating and you, you, just, you just don't want to do more damage right and and even beyond just being able to take off and land i think it also involves in like you know how let me see how, how do i put this in words make it easy understandable um damn, well, i can't think of the word <laughs> you're you're definitely going to need the area for it too don't bring it to a baseball field yes and, you know and i'm talking something like 80 inches you know 80 inch wingspan well, I think anything above 60, 70, I would start considering getting towards that bigger size. Oh, yeah. So what I was wanted to say is besides your basic flying, you need to know how to handle a stall yeah. and what a stall looks like in planes. I think that's one of the you know biggest mistakes is that someone will be like, yeah, I could fly. I could take off. I can land. Oh, but you've been flying, say, binding flies with AS3X. Sure. But once you get rid of that A3X and you're flying something bigger and, you know, you're taking off and or you're trying to land and you're coming in too slow, where I see a lot, you start it starts dropping a wingtip. And, you know, that's like clear indication when your wings start to wobble, you're about to stall that plane. And when that plane stalls, it's just going to pick a side and come crashing down. Learning how planes stall, like taking it up real high. I mean, you know, not too high. 200 feet, pulling back the throttle, pull that full elevator, and just kind of see what happens when it just kind of reaches that stall speed. And does it just float? You know, vegans, they float. Yeah. Or is it like, you know, like most warbirds where they just go, whoop, they go left and they just start nosediving. Well, that's what I was going to add too. You know, you need to know what to do when that nose starts to point to the ground. And yes. a lot of guys won't apply the throttle, and there are models where you you should actually 
apply the throttle and give it because you're going to need, depending on where you are in that stall, you know, if the nose is pointing towards the ground and you're, you have enough room to where you can pull out with throttle, I mean, you're going to have to add more speed to, to get air over the wing so you can get that plane, you know, out of its dive. Right. And another thing I know is, I mean, I don't know if this is completely true, but it, it makes sense to me is that if you're high enough and you start stalling and it starts dipping to the left, like continue dipping to the left, give gas, you know, I mean, give throttle, like use that like stall characteristic to gain your your airspeed and then pull out of it. Yeah. Use that momentum. Yeah. Use the momentum. Right. So knowing, knowing how a plane stalls, knowing that you can handle a stall, having the confidence of flying in all upright orientation, um, you know, and then at that point, you, I think you can start increasing your size, right? Go get that 50-inch wingspan. Go get the, the 60, 70, you know. Well, when- I was going to add um, mm-hmm. two, man, that, that, that one, that middle stick or the big purple monster, whatever you want to call it, the foam mm-hmm. uh, ugly stick. One thing that brought that plane down was I think I stalled it in some high wind, like, to me, uh, it would be great if if you knew how wind is going to affect you at all all different orientations. Like, you know, I'm, and I'm talking about like nose into the wind, tail into the wind, and wind yeah. coming from either side. I don't think you have to know that, but that would be really awesome to know. Yeah, you know, before you took up a big plane because that wind's going to push you around, and it does it with small aircraft too. I've I've seen it crash. You know, uh, we had a crash in Manhattan. You know, years ago, I was a Yankee player and they were trying to make a tight turn around and they wound up just turning right into a building because the wind was the wind. Pushed Are you them. talking about like a full scale? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's something to take in consideration, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, wind plays a big part, especially if you're one to challenge yourself in the wind. Uh, I know a lot of folks that fly airplanes won't fly in anything more than 15, 20 mile per hour wind. Um, because you know, that tailwind, right? That air, that wind is pushing on the, you know, on the tail side, kind of, you know, the plane's flying with the wind. The problem with that is that you're actually not going as fast as you, as the plane thinks it is. You're not getting that lift because that wind is kind of pushing from the back. That's why you always take off and land into the wind because that creates most airspeed over your, uh, airfoil. Right. So. On the opposite, when you're trying to as tail, you're, you're actually getting less airspeed, even if you're if the plane looks like it's going faster. Because yeah, because it's, it's, it's going to look like it's, yeah, right, exactly, right, and and that's exactly what I'm talking about with um, getting to know, you know, how the plane's going to operate in those different wind conditions. Because you'll see right away that yeah, it slows down nice when you're going by you one way, and it's quick the other way. But you'll see as you're banking the turns. Um, you know, yeah. and coming around, that's where you'll really see it push you either way. Right. And the, the other thing is, is handling crosswinds, trying to land or take off in crosswinds. You know, for the foamies, FT planes, you could just chuck it into a crosswind, right? Like for the most part, you can just hand launch it right yeah. into the wind and it's not too bad. But trying to land, especially if you're at like an AMA field where you have a designated runway and, and a flight, um, pattern, I guess you could say. Coming in for a landing and you have a crosswind coming at at that plane at forty five degrees, your plane is gonna fly really weird and the wings are gonna get pushed down and away and like you know all over the place. So yeah, I haven't seen that actually affect too many pilots. I mean, I guess maybe because it's not hasn't been that like 
it hasn't been that up there in miles per hour. Like it hasn't been crazy. Like mm-hmm. I haven't really seen too many. I've seen full scale, you know, land, and it's pretty scary. Yeah, like forty five degrees. Them. Yeah, uh, but I haven't I haven't seen too many um, RC planes. I've been at too many events where it's been like that. I feel because a lot of folks don't fly when it gets like yeah. that, or yeah. they like, or they have to come in with the wind and then just at the last minute cut straight. So I mean, but that's the thing, right? You need to kind of know what to expect and what to do before you go to something big because costs. Let's kind of go right into that. The cost of uh, flying something big is expensive. These planes are not cheap. These helicopters are not cheap. Once you get, you know, in the in the big sizes, right? Like how much is the Carbon Cub Z, the SS or whatever, the big blue one. That's like five hundred bucks, right, or four hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, compared that's to roughly the, four or five hundred dollars. And I know that the the T twenty eight, T twenty eight, right, is is like five fifty, six hundred dollars, depending and, on if you're doing buying and fly. Right, and you look at that, and, and I think only it comes in buying and fly. I don't think it comes with a transmitter or a battery for either one. Oh, of okay. Things. So you get your buying and fly basic, they call it. And then you're spending, you know, 6S battery pack, that's 100 bucks or 100 60 bucks, bucks yeah. you know, depending on what brand you get. But you got that and you get, you know, you're spending money on a charger. You got you got a lot invested in the hobby at that point. And easily, you know, a strong windy day can take that plane out. It can, you know, you can lose control. You could hurt yourself or hurt someone, you know, at the field. And like, Well, that's the other thing I was going to say is that mm-hmm. um, bigger planes uh, definitely fly uh more like full scale. It it actually depends on the model, but um, I've only flown two really large planes. Um, sure. That I built um, one one both are kind of based off of the flight test model, where the wing has you know that area in the in the back where it could be considered flaps, or it's just that area. It's you know if if you don't drop that Under trailing camper. edge down, yeah, not really. But and then it has it on wing tips. So I mean mm-hmm. the giant FT Mustang that I built was definitely slow right you know taking off and landing you could slow that thing down pretty good yeah it definitely does matter of the kit um like you know you were talking about like the flight test or the foam you know foam built planes your custom planes that you built they were they flew gracefully they were they flew big right so that's another characteristic of of, of yeah i think know, that's a plus yeah a plus a benefit is that when you fly something bigger, they fly, they look slower. It actually gives you more reaction time, I think. More time to react, I should say. Yeah. In the heli world, going big is very scary. I mean, maybe not for everyone. It was for me. See, I would say, I would, and I haven't flown, I've only flown your 700 once mm-hmm. uh, for about a minute and a half. Now, you know, now I have the 570, but as mm-hmm. I'm getting up there from like the, the, the 250 class to the you know the 380 and that yeah 450 and now the 570 mm-hmm. the one thing i can say is that all helicopters you know that some might be lighter and heavier but i think they all fly roughly the same if they you know do. What I mean. um but yeah, i mean they do definitely but the smaller helis are what people say are and a reason why people don't like small helis is that they're too twitchy right they're too quick they react too quick. They get away from you too quick. Uh, the bigger ones can get away from you quick too, but they float. So if you're used to going like mid-stick with a lot of maneuvers, they give you time to think. It's like, oh crap, yeah, I don't know what it is. Mid-stick, okay, uh, uh, let me wiggle up. Okay, now I, I figured, okay, 
I was tailing or I was nosing and now I've flipped it around and I'm okay. It gives you a little more time. Um, the small ones, you're like, oh, oh, and then you negative and it's into the ground and, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's quick. It's quick into the ground, I would say. But with that, like, so let's talk about the benefits of bigger airplanes and helis. Okay. Benefit, I feel anything you fly bigger will give you more time to think. Right. You know, just, just like anything in that, say, 80-inch wingspan or anything that's a 700-size heli will give you more time to think. Even 600s. And you've probably noticed, you fly an Oxy and you fly your 570. The 570 is considered a 600-class heli. And you, you can tell. You're like, well, yeah, right? It's floatier. It's a little bit easier to to manage when, you, when you're making corrections. Yeah, it's definitely floatier. So that's that's uh, that's the benefit. Another benefit is you can see that thing way further away. You can fly at a more safer distance and be able to tell which way that plane is, you know, facing. Which way, you know, what your orientation is. What is it doing? What where's that blade disc? If it's, you're talking about helicopters, is it tilted towards me? Tilted away? Like you get you get an easier view of your aircraft. So that's a big benefit. Yeah. Um, what else would you say is a big benefit? Now we're just talking planes, or, or I mean, we're just talking helicopters. Or, I think I think we can just kind of combine them both, or just lump them together. Yeah, okay. because I think you know they both have the same type of characteristics: flying big planes and flying big helis. You know, like they- well, the only thing I would say is different about a plane is that you have, you know, you have stuff that can be slow. Like the SE five I built was slow, mm-hmm. and it, and it was you know it was kind of graceful a little bit, and uh, kind of like flying a tractor. <laughs> and and it was it was fun to fly and people liked it but you can also have planes that size that are 200 well 200 120 miles an hour you know this these jets that are that are they're cool too mm-hmm. but they're just really fast but think about if you take a jet like okay let's let's take like i i, I get confused when when people start talking about percentages you know they're like oh it's a 60 percent or 50 percent right I don't yeah. know, of, of scale, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But um, That's exactly what it is, yeah. You know, when, when you talk about those big jets, yeah, they could go that speed, but they don't look like they're going that speed. You could take something that's half the size that goes the same speed, and it freaking moves way quick because of the size. The presence in the air is just not there when, you, when you're talking about smaller um, aircrafts. You know, so what do you do to compensate for, for a smaller aircraft? You fly closer to yourself. You fly closer to the ground or, you know, so you don't have that, like, benefit of having something big where you can see it 300 feet away in the air, you know. So you can take those nice long turns. And if you make a mistake, you have that mistake, couple mistake high already because you can be up there and see it. Same thing for helicopter. When I'm flying my 700, sometimes I find myself in that far right end of the field but I can still see the helicopter perfectly fine. I, I, you saw when I crashed that Oxy one time, right? You, you walked out with me to get, to look for it. And like, it was out there. I didn't know which direction I was facing. I didn't know anything about the, the helicopter in the air. And, and then it just went into the ground. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's a big benefit for me that when you fly bigger, you can fly further away and safer and still have good visibility. Um, and then everything feels a little bit slower, gives you a little more time to think. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and and, and and it's just that much cooler. Yeah, true, right? It. it is. Now, let's let's flip it on the other way. What are the pitfalls or um, cons of of having a bigger heli or a bigger plane? 
Well, the cost. Cost. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You're spending way more money for your aircraft, right? Yeah. Um, not even the aircraft, but the the type of servos it uses, the type of receiver you want to put in it, the type right. of battery packs. You know, if you're using batteries, even the motor. If you're if you're doing nitro, you go with something that gonna it's gonna fit in a hundred five inch wingspan. You know, acrobatic three D plane. It's not gonna be a, a hundred dollar motor. You're gonna be spending probably four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, hundred dollars. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're starting out at 500 bucks easy. Right. I mean, I know on the helis, uh, I thought about getting, you know, started doing some research on the, the Black Nitro. And I think uh, the OZ-105 helicopter version, it was like four or $500, you know? Five and change really? or something like that. Yeah. You know, and you think a 105 isn't really that big of an engine. No. But I guess because it's helicopter specific and whatever... You know, it, the cost is there. So so you're spending more money for motors. Um, even if you think about going electric, right? I mean, granted, you could probably get like a pretty decent supple motor for... What was your supple motor on your uh, Mustang? Um, Maybe like hmm. 50 bucks, I think I you I think said? that was 50 bucks, yeah. the yeah. Okay. The one on the SE5 was like 75. Yeah, so... But that one was like... That was pretty huge on the sc5 i mean that was like 290 kv or 280 kv yeah was, running was uh what huge uh, what 14 inch prop will we running no that was a that was a 22.8 or 22.10 i think yeah wow that's huge <laughs> it was freaking but, yeah so i yeah. want to make it scale so i mean on the cheaper end of the motors i mean i don't think supple motors they're good motors don't get me wrong but i don't think they're like high-end like hacker motors or you know no whatever. no um, yeah i'd say the same thing yeah definitely not high-end motors they're right. like your like your homeowner motors you know they're not your <laughs> pro or semi-pro motors. right they're, your they're good motors motors you know that you would but yeah any any someone gets getting into that size or that you know or rc planes in general can use supple motors but yeah when you start getting into hacker motor right when you start getting into the um what's the other brand rimfire right but i think that's like a tower hobby or great yes. brand you know they get pretty expensive for that motor um helicopters you know the motor for my for the logo 700 was like three four hundred dollars you know it's like three and change or whatever it was for an wow. nova motor um you know scorpion motors are around the same price maybe a little bit cheaper but yeah it you know you're spending three four hundred dollars for just one component um think about escs right now you're you're talking about 6s to 12s setups right you got 6s in and some of the bigger planes, you even have, I think, even bigger. I think they even do 12S on certain planes. Um, you know, same thing to helicopters. You get 700 size, you know, unless you're Chris Diamante, <laughs> you're running a 12S setup, right? So that 12S setup, you know, you know the packs are like $280. Yeah. Just for one battery. And, and, the, it, and the ESCs are even more than that. Yeah. Uh, Hobbywing 160 amp. Uh, twelve S. It could do up to up to fourteen or sixteen S, but that one ESC, you know, retails for four hundred forty nine dollars. Damn. You know, so you think motor ESC and one battery pack, you're already in a thousand for a heli- for a seven hundred size heli. Oh, jeez. Right? Now you're talking me out of it, dude. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go the other route, and we're gonna. I, I want to mention this later on after we kind of get through the benefits, pitfalls, um. The other thing that's I think is a pitfall, right, is that the crashing is a lot more devastating. You crash yeah. a, 
105 inch balsa airplay. You know, depending on how you crash, if you don't float it in, <laughs> you know, like you get a dead stick situation, you lose radio or you crash into a tree. You know, that's coming to you in parts and sticks and pieces. And, you know, so that plane, it's like, you know, yeah. I, I mean, and some guys don't know how to fix that, right. me being one of them. Yeah, some folks, I mean, if you bought an ARF, you know, balsa kit, yeah, you could glue the wings together, you could glue the tail on, you could kind of do the basic remaining steps of the build, but, you know, when you shear that wing in half, now, to rebuild that wing, even if you had the instructions, you'd have to scratch build all the balsa parts, you'd have to recover it, and all that stuff is experience. Or you have to bring it to you, maybe a local hobby shop or another hobbyist friend that you can ask to help you out. But um, you know, there's cost to that, right? It's it's an expensive repair job. You can, yeah. you can think of it like that. In the helicopter world, I mean, you know, if you could if you could build yourself a T Rex four fifty, you could build yourself a seven hundred um, heli. So that portion, I, I feel, is um, you know, there's there's like a, a quick a, a very steep learning curve to learn how to build helicopters. But then once you're there, you know how to kind of build and repair but the thing with the bigger helicopters is the parts the parts are not cheap you know i crashed my goblin 700 i cracked both side frames each side frame was 52 dollars yep tail boom 80 some dollars canopy 100 dollars blades 700 size blades and you know they're 100 bucks easily 100 Plus, 100 to 150, 160, I think is the highest price blades I, I see for 700 size. Wow. Right? So, crashing, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, if, if especially if you're like us where you kind of, not that we enjoy crashing, but we all we understand it's part of the hobby. So, we never take it too, too serious. And we don't let it ever get us, get us down. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> you know, but like, I mean... Uh, when I drove in that 700 and I saw all the parts, and I was just like, oh, man, how much is this going to cost me? Right. Well, you know what? I was going to say you can have a rough landing with a plane and, you know, it's it's kind of OK. I got a little bit of grass on the tail or yeah. I flipped it over and it's not too bad. Or maybe or the I, landing gear broke and it's like I could just glue that back on, you know. Right. But if you have a rough landing with a helicopter, you're out blades that size. Yeah, that's. Uh-huh. That's 150 bucks, yeah. Yeah, 150 is on the really high. Those are VTX. Well, 100 seven. bucks. You can't just go home and glue them back together. Right, but there is a difference between planes and helicopters, and I, and we mentioned it in a previous episode. You crash a balsa kit, that plane will probably never fly the same. Yeah. You crash a helicopter. Yes, you'll spend some money, but it will fly like brand new if you spend the money and the time to fix it properly. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so so that's a big thing, right? Crashes become way more expensive. Um, I know you said with the UMX Beast, you have like pretty much everything to repair that thing once or twice over. How much was a fuselage for it? How much was a wing set for it? Maybe like twenty bucks for a fuselage, twenty bucks for a wing set, right? Like, you know, no, I, I think it was yeah, I think it was more like fourteen bucks or something. Sure. So say like anywhere from ten to fifteen or whatever. I mean, but that's your small one. If you want to talk, if you want to talk percentage wise, I'd say, and they they got you by the balls more or less. I mean, like if you were to replace the Sequoia right. parts on that, you if you wound up rebuilding, you'd probably wind up spending three hundred dollars instead of two hundred dollars if you bought a brand new one. 
I mean, right. that's kind of what. But like, let's let's say like you know you, you your wings are good, but your nose and your fuselage breaks, or maybe your tail just gets really chomped up, and you know, or you or say let's say this, you just need a wing set. Everything else is fine. Yeah, you might spend fifty bucks, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Say say fifty bucks. Yeah. You know, now if you talk about a hundred and five inch uh, RF, right? That you can buy, say, a set of wings. You can buy a new tail or a new fuse. It ain't gonna be fifty bucks, especially if it's balsa and it's it's you know from a manufacturer that that are is producing this stuff. Um, you know, you're gonna spend a hundred bucks for that. You know, everything does increase in size, and that includes cost. Yeah. But with that, you know, you do have some spectacular crashes. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know. I, I I think it just, um, you know, when I think about planes and, and going larger, I, I, are we still on benefits? Uh, we're more on the pitfalls, but you can you can chime in a benefit if you want. Yeah. I, I was thinking that one of the benefits is, like, take that Carbon Z T28, you know. It's like almost 600 bucks or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, the detail that you can get in that kit and and i just think is is amazing like if you really really detailed that out with a light kit and everything uh-huh. and you know you had it's got retracts on it but it, i mean if you did landing lights and stuff like that i mean it, it just would add that much more to it for me and i know you can do that with smaller models but you're getting into a size now where it's actually starting to look like a real plane yes and it, it does fly more scale like you were saying before so real quick, I just kind of went and, and looked up the Carbon Z Cub. So yeah, that's a $570 kit, right? Buy an Fi Blasic, you need your own battery. And on the same thing, I'm looking at the parts, and just one side of the wing, the painted left wing, is $65. Oh, the wow. tail piece, right? Just the vertical tail with hardware is $55. Just a sticker set is like 30 bucks, you know? Wow, Aside- so if you... So what's the fuse? I know the fuse for like the the T twenty eight is like like one hundred and thirty bucks or something like that. Yeah, because I, I I looked that up because uh, I had a guy that was trying to was selling one where the fuse looked pretty busted, and I was going to buy it. Um, and I was trying to get him down to like two hundred bucks. Just the canopy is sixty dollars. Wow. Um, each landing gear forty bucks for the retracts. You know, per landing gear. Wow. So yeah. Yes, you can glue these things, especially the foamies. You can glue them a couple times, and they'll still fly pretty good. But after a certain while, when it starts to become really heavy with the glue, your only option is to replace the parts if you want it to fly as well as it did, uh, you know, when you first got it. It works hand-in-hand with what we were saying at the beginning of the show, where, like, you know, you want to make sure that you know what you're doing. You're an intermediate to advanced pilot. You don't want to get into something like this if you're, a beginner or your right. second plane it shouldn't be something all giant the time. right mm-hmm. i mean i guess unless you got dough to spend and she, i don't know maybe yeah you know if you're retired and got a, a lot of dough and a big area to fly it i mean mm-hmm. go for it but you know your average guy like us that flies on the weekend dude i don't want to be all week long working on something like that yeah you know when you do this as for a hobby you should be you, a lot of the guys I haven't met a guy yet in this hobby that it doesn't take responsibility for that aircraft that he's piloting. I mean, whether he's a new guy, he's been flying for a month or he's been flying for 20 years, they all take responsibility for it. And so you, you really have to get to that point where you're like, I'm responsible. You know, I'm in control of this 
this uh-huh. aircraft and you know you just don't want to have any problems with with it but things happen obviously um you could be a great pilot but things fail right oh yeah sure um another thing is like you know i know we when we when we started the topic we were talking about we were more talking about when should someone go into a big plane we i don't think we really talked on about when should someone go into flying big helis it kind of has a lot to do with the big plane stuff well, that's kind of where I was getting at, and I kind of lost my train of thought with the last comment I made, is that, like, for me, I had that SBOC that I had no business flying. It wasn't that large of a plane. It was just way too much of a plane for me. Mm-hmm. You should know. You should be responsible enough to know I'm not ready for that yet. Yes. Basically, is what I was what yes. I was getting at. Sure, yeah. And I lost mm-hmm. my train of thought. But, yeah, yeah. You, should, you should know, you know, that I'm not ready for that yet. My skills aren't up there, there yet. Right. It's one thing to have confidence and it's one thing to be cocky, right? Like Right, exactly. And I was gonna say you don't have to be like you don't have to be petrified or, or think, Oh, I'm I'm too afraid to fly something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're gonna know. Like for me, it was like I haven't gotten into the seven hundreds yet. Not mm-hmm. that I'm afraid of them, but just I'm 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 more prepared for it now than I was like last year. Like I wouldn't have I mean, some guys I guess can progress a little quicker, but you gotta know, you know, how you feel about it. Yeah, and you and nobody else is going to pay for that model when you crash it, right? So and no one else is to blame, on, right? And no, exactly. You can't be like, "Oh, Steve, you you're the reason why I crashed." No, it's because you don't have good collective management. You didn't use bailout. You weren't high enough. Like it's not on me. I wasn't piloting or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Un- unless you're doing funnels next to the guy and happen to tear through his three eighty. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yes, yes. Um, unless we're flying tandem and I crash into you, obviously, you know it could be anyone's fault. But you'll know when when you do something and you're flying into someone else's, uh, you know, quote unquote airspace. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. And when you see that, oh, white blades went right through his tail. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take. I, I take. I take ownership of that for for sure. <laughs> But no, but but seriously, dude, like like you're saying, don't don't feel obligated to jump into it before you're ready because like we're saying, nobody's gonna buy that those replacement parts for you and it's gonna be nobody's fault but yours. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I I learned my lesson with the with the S Bach, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and it was nobody's fault but mine. Yeah. And and don't feel like you need to push yourself to get into the bigger models even though just because everybody else has at the club has yeah a, a large plane or a large heli yeah you know just because i told kevin that he needs to buy a 700 like every weekend doesn't mean he actually needs to go buy a 700 <laughs> <laughs> no know? i mean the guys i used to fly at goshen up there black dirt and uh-huh. all of those guys flew giant planes yeah. like they were enormous yeah. and i would line up on the runway with my little ft flight test planes and some of the guys were like this is amazing i can't believe that that this is even existing i would tell them about flight tests and they'd be like oh crap you know i gotta build a plane or when i showed up with the vegan man they were all like that flies so good you know i can't believe that's dollar tree foam yeah i had a couple guys wanting to build one and i just point them in the direction of flight test but you know like that's what i'm that's what i'm talking about i mean yeah i you get into a club like that and yeah you can get good deals but uh even if I bought something large, I don't think I'd have it, you know, I would be flying it for, you know, a couple of years. I still got planes I haven't flown yet. Um, yeah. You still got planes that I'm I'm trying to get you to sell to me. Well, <laughs> uh, we got to talk, dude. Yeah. I'll sell you whatever you want. But, 
but that's just the bottom line yeah. for me is that's where I was that's where I was going, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's the thing, like I think you're ready for a seven hundred. That's why I push you to like you should buy a seven hundred because once you get into that size bird with your skill level and, and, and the amount of control you have, I think you're ready for it. You know, there's some pilots that buy seven hundreds and I'm just like, mm, I don't know if you're ready for it really, but okay, you know. Someone yeah. you know, someone could progress even faster with it so that's cool go for it but they are dangerous you know they they are scary they make a lot of noise you know i i don't even know how many people like i scare and and ricky too right <laughs> you know when he does like those power loops and he's like that that like that hard fart, collective, that hard collective. Yeah. yeah um you know i do it when i'm like uh i'm flying back towards me and i just go straight 45 degrees up and the heli like you know, for me to do that, I just basically um, I'm flying back and I just go straight like on my elevator, my collect uh, cyclic. I just go forward into that helicopter, and I'm I'm traveling so fast and so much inertia that it flies up thirty, forty feet like that, or maybe even more than that. Yeah, like that's not me doing like you know pitching up the blades or it's increasing the motor and anything. That's straight right. momentum. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that thing moves. It's fast. It's big. And it cracks me up every time you do that because it's like, blah. It's yeah. like this really loud noise and it's it just, just awesome. Echoes right through the, through the field and everything. Yeah. But that like that stuff's intimidating, right? When you don't, when you're first starting and it's like, and then the amount of money that it's going to, or the amount of damage or harm it can do. But, you know, there once, once you get to be a, a very confident, comfortable flyer like i mean i can't can't stress the the confidence because i feel a lot of it is confidence you know you can move up to those bigger helis and but take it easy yeah you know like i know you fly your oxy way harder than you fly your 570 and i know if you try flying your 570 you know maybe 80 percent as hard as you fly the oxys but it's like you know, your collective management is in there. It's a bigger heli. You know, you're only running success, so it starts to bog. You know, and, and you know, like, it's different, right? Like, yeah, there's different well, characteristics you need to watch out for. Well, and I had that one kind of, like, uh, shut down, so I haven't been pushing it too hard. And I really want to see, you know, I want once I get a governor on that uh, to see how, how, how it changes the characteristics of it. I think if you had 12s, you wouldn't have to worry about the bug. You just have a little more power in reserve. But I mean, but I mean the 380, I rip. I've been ripping around, kind of like the oxy almost. Yeah, it was a six s, right? So you got a six s and a 380 size. You got a four s and a a 300 size, and then you still only have a six s and a five seventy six hundred size. Yeah. So the six hundreds are gonna fly a little bit more. You need you need more finesse with the collective. You can never dig too deep in the collective too quickly. You have to wrap yeah. up for it. Which I'm learning. Yeah, you're learning and, and you'll see. I mean, I think that's one thing that um that's helped me a lot with the bigger with the bigger helis is learning better collective management because if you're I've bogged my heli before, you know, you could hear it more. It it does sound more responsive to your actions, right? Like you get really deep on that stick and you hear it bogging more. Um, well, I, could, I guess I could definitely tell a difference working on the TikToks on the small, on the, on the, was it the sport I was doing it on? Mm-hmm. And th- it's almost like they're, they're lazy, but they're, and they're slow, but you can, you can actually feel it 
in the model and in in your how far you're moving the sticks. You know, you're not really moving them that far. Yeah. I don't know. Is that what you were talking about? Well, yeah, but like I feel like on the oxys, I got to give a little more collective. Yeah. Depending on how fast I'm doing it on a 700, I I give a lot less. But sometimes I have to dig deep, you know. Sometimes you you know it starts you go a little bit too far over. You got to dig a little deeper to pop it out, and just back and forth. But um, you, you know, biggest thing is when when you're flying around and the pure flips. I think as like really like help me understand collective management because if you do it, if you pull the collective negative or positive at the wrong time, that heli will go flying one way or the other and it goes it just it goes way too high way too low like it's just everywhere uh once you learn that collective and you know when to pop it down and and it's really just like a a, like a slap like you slap the stick up slap the stick down um and you feel it it's like dook dook and just like it um it flips like on spot and 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 that's another thing that i've noticed in my videos and stuff when i'm flying helis is that my flips when i want to i can flip them like you know like i can flip them up stop in the same spot flip it back up stop in the same spot inverted upright inverted in the same spot like they'll flip up but when it comes down i stop it at the same spot you know and that's all collective management and stuff yeah that's when to load the head and unload the head and stuff like that and that and what's helped me learn that is the bigger helis it's not the smaller ones Oh, uh, okay. You know, my Turek uh, Oxy-3 with 13 degrees and that size heli, like, I can send that thing full negative punch out and full horizontal before, like, maybe about 100 feet before it starts to drop, before it starts to lose that, that oomph and momentum and, and it starts to, gravity starts to take over, um, over momentum. But the bigger helis, yeah, no, no not so much. You know, you got you do need to, to manage that collective a little more. So, um, Flying bigger does, I think, either forces you to become a better pilot as far as certain things like collective management on an airplane would be better throttle management because those planes, like especially Mike and his nitros, yeah, I see him he just goes flying straight and goes straight up, and he just has like unlimited vertical with those nitros, you know. Well, I was gonna say too on landing that uh, you know yeah, I've seen those guys do multiple passes mm-hmm. you know as they approach and try to figure out when they're cutting the throttle because our, our space i don't know i'd say it's medium size it's not open air like large right. it's not really small well just yeah i mean i would say the airspace is very open but your landing takeoffs and approaches it's in a confined area you have yeah, your tree lines tricky. on your side yeah so yeah that that stuff makes it difficult right i mean <laughs> i don't even last yeah, weekend, I mean, we we saw you know our friend Dennis. He uh, misjudged the the tree line, and you know his Scorpion eighty millimeter went into the tree. Yeah, you know I I didn't get a chance to actually see it. I heard the loud crunches, you know that sound. You're like, Ugh, oh no! Yeah, it was it was a pretty good hit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't see it, but I actually saw it falling through the tree line. Yeah, I saw it after, after that it noise. Hit. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, little parts tick, 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 coming down like a pachinko machine. Like, ugh. I always feel like I'm flying too close to the back tree line with the bigger helis. I feel like I punch out and I'm like, well, I'm doing a big loop and I have to cut the loop short because I feel like I'm going to come down and go right into the trees. I think you'd be shocked. I think you'd be shocked at how, how much room you have. Yeah. Or how about when Mr. K, he was flying uh, FPV and I was like, oh, no, he's gonna he's turning right into the trees. But 
you know, I know from his point of view, flying FPV, he probably had a decent amount of room on his left where the tree line was, you know. But yep. it's it's hard to gauge, and and that comes with experience. And as you know, when you're flying bigger things, especially bigger airplanes, you need you need more room and you need more skill level to land. You know, kind of like you were saying with the nitros, you're gonna have to come in pretty hot. Yeah, you're gonna have to make a quick. Depending on the size of the field, you're gonna have to make a quick, rapid descent, bank turn. You gotta use. You gotta have coordinated turns down. You yeah, know? you gotta know how to use that rudder yep. in the air and on the ground. Yeah, like once you get it down, you know, and you're just touch the the front wheels down or whatever, or even if it's got tricycle yeah. landing here and you come down, now you gotta know how to at at higher speeds what to do with that rudder. Right. To keep it straight. Yep. And then, you know, how to run off, right? Because a lot of, we see a lot of people running off the runway yep. with airplanes. And, and Kevin likes to try to do it with his helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how far can I go? <laughs> kind of to wrap up the main topic, what would you say uh, the things to consider are? Consider where you are in the hobby. And, like, I mean, you're going to know that, hey, it's my responsibility. But don't let anybody push you into it if you're not ready. Or don't feel like you have to get something larger if you're not ready. Yeah. And don't push yourself too hard to get ready, right? Like, I know a lot of people, um, like for me, I would love to get a 105-inch, 110-inch, you know, uh, two $3,000 3D acrobatic plane. You know, I mean, granted, I have no way of getting it to the field. But, you know, just to have something like, I, you know, when I see those planes fly, they're so awesome. Yeah. But I know deep inside me i am not ready for it yeah see i'm the i'm that way with the warbirds like i think it was one of the first or second show we did you know we had a we were talking about like if we had unlimited funds or what we would get and i Mm -hmm. i I would love to get a giant corsair you know with a big radial engine and stuff like that but you know i'm not doing that at our field and i I don't if if i had an open space i I still don't know if i would do that yet Mm -hmm. yeah because i'd like to build up to that like right I would build a Balsa Corsair and and fly it for a for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or definitely. Do nitro first, you know. I, I still haven't flown nitro. Yep. I don't have any nitro, you know, models. So yeah, definitely work your way up to. So things to consider: bigger plane, bigger aircraft, higher cost, higher higher cost of crashes, and you know more intimidation. Right? You get you, yeah. you know those are all the con parts of it, like the the pitfalls. This, it's more intimidating. It's more dangerous. Um, and when you bring it out for the first time, like moving my SC5 down to the club, I mean, I knew from all the research I did with the smaller one that I was going to fly. It should fly, you know, mm-hmm. like the smaller one or, or you know, it should have good characteristics or whatever. Right. But still that day, I mean, guys, there were guys that were saying, I'm not leaving until I see that thing fly. I mean, so you're going to have so that to pressure too. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, guys are going to want to see that thing fly it's just uh you know larger planes or larger helis or bigger spectacles you know you want to see them and also you want to consider how you're charging you know your batteries for some of these larger planes like and larger helis like i keep referencing the se5 but that thing was uh 5006s so i mean i don't even know if i could charge that with with one of my older chargers that could only do five amps maybe it would take all night to charge it, but yeah, because you'd be well five amps. You would be charging at one C. Was that able to do success? Those old chargers? Yeah, I don't I even know. That, I think that was your limitation that you didn't get any charger. I think it could do success, but it was just uh, 
but it wasn't even five amps, right? Weren't you only able to pull like four amps? Yeah, I think four and a half was all I could do before it was shut down. So yeah, yeah, so that's about an hour, and, and that's an hour and a hour to ten, an hour and thirty minutes, depending on your balancing. Yeah, portion of the charge. That's how long it would take to do that. Yeah, you know, I would say a, a good, like, let's just say a good hour, make it nice even. So that's um, so that's something else to consider. On the heli side, one thing to consider is um, where where I feel like people who are getting who don't know much about the hobby always ask, "Oh wow, that's a really big heli. How long does it stay in the air?" It's the same amount of damn time that all my other helis stay in the air, no matter what size it is. Yeah. So so don't think that you're gonna get uh, longer flight times on an airplane. You might, you probably definitely will, but or not even because I know Mike. Sometimes I think he says he his flight times are about the same as like. You know, like six minutes or five minutes. Nitros, on the other hand, yeah, you can get eight, ten, even on airplane, fifteen minutes of flight time easily. Yeah, but on helicopters, from the, from their two two hundred size all the way up to your eight hundred size, you're you're in that range of three to five minutes usually. If you're interested in longer flight times, and maybe we could do a show on that, you could build a bloody wonder and jam as much batteries as you got jam a 3000 milliamp battery in that like i did and i think i was flying for what what did i fly for that time was it 30 minutes i don't even remember i don't even know it was it was like i gotta i gotta land my neck is starting to hurt me yeah we should do a show on that i just don't know how to approach it because it's not about the size of the battery per se obviously you want more milliamps but i know it has a lot to do with your efficiency of your model so Maybe as we get more experience, we can touch that topic more in depth. But I mean, I don't know how I would even approach it on the helicopter side. Lower head speed, yeah. Right? Lower head speed will give you more flight time, yeah. But then you need more pitch to deal with low, you know, lower head speeds, lower speeds of the blade, yeah. So, but um, yeah. I mean, so other things that are considered that are benefits is that you know it's a big plane, it's a big heli. They're gonna look awesome. They're gonna look nice in the air. You're gonna you'll be able to fly further away. It's gonna be great. You can fly higher. They fly slower. They feel slower, I should say. I don't want to say that they fly slower because they they actually fly probably. They could do the same speeds as smaller things or faster, but it just looks slower, right? You know, it's it's like when you see uh when when we fly, we often see a seven forty seven, um taking it off at some airport, you know, a couple towns away, and you can see it. It's just like. Well, I think they're on approach to Newark, I think, and they make that nice turn over the top of us there. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but it's just so slow. Those, yeah, that huge airplane. But you know, it's going 300, 400 miles per hour. Exactly. You know, but it's it just because of the size. When you blow things up, the amount of speed that is perceived is is less. So, um, with helis, planes, RC stuff, it feels like you have a little more time to react because they just kind of, you know, look slower. Cool. Yeah. Do you have you have anything else you want to add? No, that's it, man. Uh, one thing. I, one thing I do want to add more about the helicopter size is, uh, and and I, I get scared of of some of my friends who fly bigger helis is be safe. Yeah. I've seen pictures of what happens to um, someone who gets hit by a seven hundred size heli, and it's no way a joke. I have you know? not. I have not seen any pictures. I don't. I don't know if I want to. I will save you from that. But, you know, I have pictures of people like, you know, their 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 backs getting sliced up from a Ugh. helicopter hitting them. Even even with throttle hold. 
Yeah. You know, I even hit the throttle hole before it hits. So, so you know, when it comes to bigger helis, um, especially um, as as you're getting more comfortable flying, if you don't have like that good reaction time and and collective and cyclic management, like you know, you you can't you don't have that like really tight control of your heli, and it tends to get away from you. Then you're probably not ready for a 700 size heli. You're probably not ready for even a 500, because 550, 500 is when they start classifying as a bigger heli. So, a big heli. Dude, I've had the 24 aisle helicopters from the kiosk come up and hit me in the mouth, and I was bleeding from it. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's something to consider. Also, you know, right? You know, just so. the the bloodletting is just going to be worse the larger. Yeah, so. You go. So, you know, and, and that goes for going big on planes, you know, you, you're talking about, okay, uh, you know, flight test, 43-inch wingspan, FT, Spitfire, Mustang, you know, you're swinging a 9 or 10-inch prop compared to your SD5 spinning the 22-inch prop, like... Yeah, now you're you know, talking about a motor that's torquey that can spin that prop, so... It has the inertia, it has the force to you know really mess you up so be careful and let's not even forget the quads those small little 250 quads you're like ah how much harm can it do remember the smaller the motor the smaller the prop the faster it's gonna spin the faster when when it hits you it's not just gonna cut once it's gonna cut one two three four five like down your arm down your leg or your back or whatever be safe everyone yeah this is this is this is a little serious part of this show it's going big is fun you know you have the money it's great but be safe because everything gets a little more dangerous um especially on the brave side okay i didn't know we added a serious part to the show well i guess you know, we just did we just did it just happened okay <laughs> it was just something to consider right like no that's true yeah like I, I I see it all the time, and I, I not not people hitting them, cutting themselves, but I see I see a lot where like you know someone's flying really close to themselves, and I'm just like, eh. there's there's a certain level of like comfort. I don't care how skilled you are, if you're you know you could be the top number one pilot, but like you know there's a level where you don't fly less than five feet from you with a helicopter, a seven hundred size helicopter. Yeah. You know, oh, like, yeah. And, and, and just, you know, sometimes you see, like, sometimes you see someone, you know, maybe, um, you know, at a, at a event or something. And, you know, these are pro pilots. They can, they have total control of the alley, but I just, I don't trust it. But dude, one mechanical failure. Exactly that's what I was going to say. Yeah. A mechanical failure is something you're not going to see. Right. You know, it's just going to, yeah. Right. Ruin your day. So, so be safe out there with this. Boys and girls. All right. Let's go into the news. Yeah, dude. I have zero news. I don't know. Do you have any news? <laughs> I don't even bother looking for news. I do. I'll, I'll look for stuff and, you know, and if something new catches my eye or, uh-huh. you know, like flight tests working on stuff or. Well, I did see. Um, I mean, I didn't see the video yet, but I did see the flight test put an inductrix on like a front of a little airplane. Yeah. I, I'm curious. It's a vlog. Um, you know, definitely check out flight tests. They always got some funny new stuff, so so that's cool. Yeah, but as far as anything else, I don't really have much news. All right, so let's now go into what's next for you in the hobby. 
What's next for you, Steve? Knock on wood, none of my helis need fixing. <laughs> I didn't crash any helis this weekend. Oh, dude, um, that's the big news. That is the big news. You didn't crash well, a damn Tariq or a... Yeah, yeah, my Cube, both 700s, 380s. I flew, what, like 17, 18 flights across the board, all my battery packs. You know, I noticed on, on the Oxy, I mean, I, I no wonder I feel really comfortable with that heli. I, f- I fly, every time I fly, I fly um, 12 packs, 12 flights on those heli, like combined. I have, I have 12 1300 4S battery packs. Really? And like, unless I, you know, I crash out, <laughs> I'll say. I, I crash out instead of cashing yeah. out? Yeah, yeah, unless I crash out and I can't, you know, go through, like, I burn through all 12 packs. That's awesome. So that's dude. 12 on that, that's, that's four, is it four? Yeah. Four on the 380, and then two on the 700 Goblin, 200 on the Logo 700. That's me charging up before the field, before I get to the field, and that's flying all of that. What is that? What did I count? 12, 12 four. 4, 16, 20 flights. Damn, dude. Yeah. So if I fly everything, don't crash anything, knock on wood, <laughs> it is 20 flights I get in a day without having to charge anything at the field. Nice. And it's, it's primarily the Oxys. But that's why I feel so comfortable. That's why I will try. That's why I feel comfortable enough to drop those pure flips eight feet off the ground. You know, to me, which is like almost at, on the deck. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like close to being on the deck. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've the same theory, man. I'm flying the Oxy a lot because I have more batteries for that. Yeah. It was just so cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't go wrong with it. Um, so what I have planned is, um, you know, I, I'm moving soon. Um, I got to start prepping for that. So I've been doing a lot of cleanup and sorting of my RC stuff. I actually disassembled a couple of planes and threw them away because I just I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have to bring them. I just don't have the room. Uh, so really, so I did a couple of disassembling. Yeah, hyperbipe is gone. <laughs> really, FT Mustang is gone. Okay. Um, you know, I I haven't taken apart the Vigan yet because. I want to use this Vigan. Like, the wings are all warped, and everything is kind of warped from, like, Flight Fest and all the other, you know, like, damp days that I've, I've brought that plane out. But what I want to do is, before I take it apart, is I want to start using it as, like, uh, a guinea pig. As far as, like, okay, I want to make a hatch for the EDF, so where do I need to cut a hatch out? What if I cut the bottom of the wing open, like a rectangle right under the EDF? Will I be able to access it? That kind of stuff. So, okay, you know, I haven't... I haven't done anything with that yet but yeah i'm, I'm kind of downsizing my airplanes oh uh, the airplanes hate they hate to hear that word no 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 you haven't let me finish though so that <laughs> i can build replacement planes uh, like, okay build better planes like you know ft has released besides the sparrow ft released what recently the the bronco the uh, explorer you know just all these different planes and i've never i haven't built them yet you know yeah so you know, the FT Mustang, I haven't flown that in forever. The landing gears were never sturdy enough for the, this version that I built. So, um, you know, so I have all that stuff and I can put it into something else. You know what I'm finding that uh, is happening to a lot of my FT planes is my the tail, the elevator and the rudder uh, mm-hmm. are they just warp? starting to warp some of the older planes. Like the Mustang, the, yeah. the FT Explorer was never right. Like, uh, just 
I, I look at that Mustang and I'm like, well, I can either redo the tail or get rid of it. I think what I'm going to start doing with these FT planes from now on is adding some kind of spar to the elevator for sure. Because that seems mm-hmm. to twist on me on the spot. Now, you talking about the elevator or the horizontal stab? The horizontal stabilizer. Yeah, so like the stabilizer part or the actual elevator part? Uh, yeah, it's more of the, the horizontal stabilizer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think taking a popsicle stick and cutting a slot and putting it right vertical and hot gluing in would probably help. Yeah. You know, add like a little star, spar like that. I What I did with the Corsair, and I still haven't flown that yet, uh, is I took a, I cut a strip out about an inch, I don't know, three-quarter of an inch wide strip, uh, maybe whatever the length is, you know, 10, 12 inches out of quarter-inch, you know, plywood, the one plywood, and mm-hmm. just cut a channel in there, removed all the foam and just yeah. put it right in there you know glued it in taped over yeah. it and that seems to be working good don't go too thick don't go too big just because you know you don't want to have to counteract that extra weight the far bit of the tail right you know when the cg line is way far ahead yeah so you'd have to like you know add a lot of nose weight or whatever or to try to cg the battery but um yeah yeah that's great yeah i would definitely put something like that you know what what I've noticed is um as I start disassembling like foam planes that like I crash and I just don't wanna like buy the parts or re glue. You know, like for example the, the um the hyperbike, right? The hobby king plane. Right. I, I paid like a hundred bucks for it. I'm I'm not really sore about like yeah, I flew it for a little bit. Didn't really fly as much as I wanted to, but you know, I kept on having receiver problems, flyaways and just uh, whatever, so I started taking that apart, and I was like, wow, this has some nice carbon spars, like, in the uh, the struts that hold the top and bottom wing. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm keeping this part, you know? Um, all the control, sur- like, control surfaces, uh, not control surfaces, the control horns are bolted. There's plastic hinges. There's, like, real hinges. Oh, oh shit. I'm stripping all this stuff off of this, you know? And I'm going to put it into my next FT plane just to kind of make it more secure, right? Just to make it last longer. Yeah. So, like, you know, those carbon spars, there you go. I can put one in the rudder, one in the elevator, keep those nice and straight. Uh, popsicle sticks work too. Not popsicle sticks, um, barbecue skewers. Yeah. You know, you could do that. Those will keep the foam pretty straight for a while. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, nice. But what I want to do is uh, I got my FT Batbone flying. Um, you know, I did that crazy acrobatic one day flying line of sight. Yeah. But now I, I want I want to get the FPV gear on there. I want to get the gimbal on there. I want to get my GoPro on there. I want to start, you know, especially on the Sundays when it's like you, me, and a couple of people, club members, and there's no like multi rotor race event or anything, and we can fly with our 600 milliwatt, you know, yeah. receivers, uh, video transmitters and stuff, and fly around like. That'd be cool. Let's do it. You know, I'll I'll follow your planes around, or or just do some nice scenic stuff. I think I think it'd be fun. Cool. So yeah, that's that's next on my list to to get that built up a little more. Nice. Okay. So what about you? Um, I'll, I'm gonna be trying to finish up my charging case for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's related, kind of unrelated. Uh, I'm gonna I gotta work on my main computer here that we record on because I'm running out of main drive space i'm going to swap my main boot drive out which hopefully isn't that much of a problem wait your main drive out yeah my c drive your c drive your system drive yeah Hmm, okay well i don't put anything other than the you know the windows and the boot stuff on there i don't even like save games on that or anything i just save it yeah other places 
But yeah, I, I got to do that. And then uh, I don't know, man. I still want to try and get the details for the SE five, the smaller one. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, into the computer. I'm I'm not sure even how to do that. I watched a couple of videos on how to you know take your planes from SketchUp. But the one guy I was watching who had like a seven part series said he was going to continue on how to export it from you know SketchUp into your PDF view or whatever. But he never did another episode. He never did episode eight. So uh, right. still kind of like I don't <laughs> think it's too hard, but I'll figure it out. Uh, I just got to do it, man. It's just like work's been busy. Life's been busy. Right. That's what I'm up to. Cool. And hopefully fix the 380. Finish that. Get that ready. To yeah. Go. I want to see that fly again. I want to see that with the new canopy set, too. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Get a little matching little 570 and a baby 380 all looking like a big happy family. All right, so let's wrap it up. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up, man. Yeah, wrap it up. What do you got? What we got? All right, Facebook likes. We are at 344 plus five from last week. 344. And here are the two names. The what? I guess two names plus five last week. Two names. Thank you, Facebook. What is this, Common Core Math? I mean, <laughs> what the hell are they doing to us? I have no idea. Maybe four plus five minus the four and the three. I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense to me. Always count your change. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's. Um. I mean, I'm. I'm, I'm not gonna mess up these two names. You can cue the music if you want, but it'll be short. All right. We got Dean Jones. Dean Jones. Dean Jones. Yeah. Dude, the guy yeah, from we... the Herbie movies. The guy from Is Disney. That the guy's name? Yeah. Dean Jones, man. I grew oh, up man. watching him. Yeah. Okay, and we got Brandon Monning. <laughs> Brandon Monning. Yes. So that's it, huh? Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. thanks, guys. Yeah, that's, that's what we got for that. Uh, Facebook comments and messages. I took a couple of notes. I don't even know where they came from. I think some of them came from Facebook. Should I read them real quick, or do you want to read the one that's here? Uh, let me read the one that's here first, and then... You could uh, read the other ones okay. that you have on your notes. So um, one of our listeners, Jason Warning, Warring, he wrote to us, and this was on Facebook Messenger. He said, hey, guys, love the podcast. Not sure if you guys know, but people may be reviewing your podcast outside the U.S., of which you may be missing those reviews. Uh, he says, I am living in Australia and reviewed the podcast a week or two ago, the Australian iTunes store. Not sure if he saw it, as each location only shows reviews for that country. What the? Oh, my God. iTunes. (laughs) iTunes is killing me. Yeah, that's kind of lame. I mean, if if your podcast is international or global, you should be able to see the iTunes review for everyone. I don't think the iTunes store should be region-specific as far as the reviews. like I can understand content. Yeah, I thought being a globalist was like the big thing to be these days. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he also said there's a way to compile and see all the reviews. He uh, suggested a link. He said he'll look up a link and suggested one in a later message. Um, and then he says, again, love the show. You guys always make the topic interesting, especially seeing I don't fly helis, seeing that he doesn't fly helis. Oh. Um, but he says, I still can't get enough of the show. Wow. So, yeah. Awesome, dude. Nice. 
So I'm curious, what do you fly? Are you um, an airplane guy? Are you a multi-rotor guy? Do you fly those just those two and not, you know, uh, helis? Let us know. And let us know if you see anything from Australia on, yeah. on iTunes. Yeah, and feel free to, like, you know, if you want, you see something in Australia or you see something in an iTunes store that, we you know, you don't recall us reading out, um, screenshot it and send, send, send us a picture. We could read that off the air. You know, that'll work. Those globalists. Those damn globalists. globalists. <laughs> I thought you were saying globin. Globin. Now you're making me sound. Yeah, globin helicopter. It's a hemoglobin. <laughs> it's a hemoglobin. All right. Hemoglobin. Okay. <laughs> All right, dude. So I I took notes to a couple of things, and and I'm sorry if I'm late with some of these, but our buddy Frank Mordellis, he's a big fan of the show. He's always commenting on Facebook. I want to say thanks, Frank. Well, we're a big fan of Frank and, too, and we're so. a big fan of Frank's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in regards to the latest Chad Capper, he said um, it was a super funny, great show, and just like me, he was binge watching a lot of F- FT episodes. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Frank. Yeah. And another guy I, I saw, um, I don't even know where I got this from, whether it's, I think I saw this on Facebook. And uh, some of this Facebook stuff just goes right by so fast, I, I barely have track to even like, hey, I like that, or I should talk about that. But um, this is a guy, um, Cam Taylor, who says he loves the show, guys. He always listens on Tuesdays after leaving Boston and heading back home to Mirabel, Quebec. So he's Quebec. So he's openly Canadian. Um, <laughs> did wait? Did we read this one? I don't think so. Okay, if we didn't, okay, great. If we did, maybe we did. Read it again. Did you read about him being a truck driver working for a bathtub company? Yeah. Oh. Going from Boston to Canada all the time. Yeah. Oh, but did but we, read it again. But Go did for we? It. Did we? Uh, did we talk about him bashing on his timber? The, no, the I didn't get a chance to watch the video. Still. So oh, shoot. the video was yeah. really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to watch it after this. Yeah, this is the guy that um, had the Radium Pro and stuff like that, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he was. Um, he's been flying um, some Blade helis, um, Nano nice, CPX, yeah. and um, the two thirty and a one eighty CFX, and he's working on a Trex Dominator five fifty, nice or T Rex. Sorry, I'll never get that right. I don't know what's right. I I hear both. I hear Trex. I hear T Rex. I think T Rex just sounds better. So all right, I'll say T Rex. And uh, our buddy Ed Johnson gave us props for sticking with uh, the tech problem we had with episode forty four. Yeah. So thanks, Ed. Yeah, and I think uh, Despilot also commented about that. Did he? Yeah, I, I think he just messaged me in Facebook Messenger if I if I remember correctly. And I think he mentioned like he's like yeah, Kevin was saying like nice or whatever like making a you know comment dude like too much he's in the so full of it <laughs> bill i love you dude but if we didn't say anything i don't think anybody would have known yeah yeah i mean it, it seemed pretty seamless to me if i didn't know i wouldn't have known no. and i do the show bill's, bill's gonna <laughs> slap me when he sees me uh, no, I hope I'm dare you talk wrong. to me <laughs> or i can't talk back yeah uh, and another guy who who wrote us, I don't know if it's uh like I said, I think this was an actual email. Did you read one from Frank Walker? Yes. Did I? Did you yes. read it on the air? No, maybe. Yeah, he's he's remember. a Jersey uh, guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank FPV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you read it? I don't think we read it on the air. Okay. He says, "Hey guys, I love your podcast. Been listening for a while. Can't explain why." 
but sorry since he's really a quad <laughs> guy and not much into helis but he looks forward to our podcast yeah and the various meetups he's been hearing words like green pond oak ridge ramsey mawa mm-hmm. and wondered where we were flying um i guess he flies at one of the the booting fields or or some someplace like that where they used to actually test world war one planes and now I think some of the guys that actually piloted those planes are flying like gliders up there and kick everybody else off if they show up mm-hmm. with helicopters. So, yeah, he said he met us at flight test and it was awesome to put the faces to the voices. And he said we were super nice and it was a pleasure chatting with us for a short while. Um, mm-hmm. That must have been after we were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, Frank. Um <laughs> No, I'm only kidding. No, I yeah. dude, flight test was like a blur. If I didn't take time and, and like stop and, and ask people what their name was and write it down, I wouldn't have remembered anything. I think I think next time what we should do is we should um anyone that comes off to us for like, you know, more than just saying hi, like we should take a picture with them. Write their name down so we can remember what they look like and who what their name was. Yeah. And it just kinda helped, you know, because it, it was. We met so many people, and and you know, and and in no way is that a bad thing. That was no, was no. Amazing. And geez, to you think know? we had like, I don't know, would we have like thirty episodes out? Not even. Um, I, I don't even know. You know, and yeah, it was like thirty four, I think, or like twenty eight or something like was, that. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, no, I enjoyed talking to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. but he asked. I I think I got back to him. He was asking about our club and where we fly and um if they had any openings and stuff like that. I just wanted to tell him thanks, thanks Frank. Yeah, that's yeah. The, I think he actually you, invented Pac Man. That guy. His last name is Waka. Waka 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 Waka. <laughs> oh boy. Anyways, Frank. Um, I think he flies with the S three boys too. S three guys. Oh okay. So he probably knows a couple of he probably knows Anthony. I think you know, Anthony Garcia probably. Um well, I'm sure he knows Rich. Everybody uh, knows Anthony. Well that's what I figured, right? Yeah. Like especially in that world, since Anthony doesn't fly helicopters anymore. No. Oh, uh, he's gonna beat me up. Now I heard he actually flew uh last Saturday. He flew a heli. You know, it's kinda sad that he doesn't show up anymore. Only every now and then do I see the guy and you know he doesn't fly anything but those multi rotors. You know I'm putting the sad violin behind all that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I expect nothing less from you. So that's cool, Frank. Um, you know we're definitely gonna be, you know, there's gonna be times where we'll, we'll probably with the smaller helis and planes and stuff and quads. It's quads too, because I, I want to get, I want to fly that like T10 I got. Um, yeah. You know we'll probably pick smaller parks and just areas like open fields that we can find. In, in that area, especially since uh, I'm moving closer out to uh, to Kevin out there. so Yeah, so definitely the Oak Ridge area. Yeah, and plus especially when, like, winter really hits hard. Um, and, you know, might not have, like, with my buying a new house and stuff, I might not have, like, the eight hours I have now to go flying on a Sunday. I might just have, you know, two, three hours to just kind of run out and, and you know, hang out for a little bit. So, yep, yeah, definitely. Um, we'll find somewhere up here. Let you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, we will. All right, what else do we have? What else do you got? Oh, Podbean people that have started following us. We had one guy uh, start following us on Podbean, Jolson383. So thank you, Mr. Jolson. Or, yeah, Jolson, J O L S O N. And um, Chevy, Chev Carlo and Mike One's podcast, like our uh, Chad Capper episode. 
So thanks for that, guys. Thanks for liking that. Haven't heard from awesome. Chevy Mon Carlo in a while. I don't know what he's been <laughs> up to. Maybe he's working on a Chevy. I don't know. Thanks for everyone for liking, following us. Um, iTunes reviews. Yeah, I didn't see any new iTunes reviews, but that's only because I'm looking in the States. Yeah. We're limited. We're limited. We're not globalists. Globalists, no. <laughs> you know where I got oh, that I from, got... right? No idea. <laughs> I was watching YouTube one time and I put in idiots behind the mic or something like that. And Alex Jones, for some reason, popped up and I started listening to watching him. And I was like, oh, this guy's a freak show. But he, he started saying it. And I was like, oh, dude, I was laughing my ass off. Nice. You got to send me a link to that. I got to check it out. You got to see the one where he's crying. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh, hysterical. Boy. He's talking about how uh, uh, he's just he's Looney Tunes, man. <laughs> I'm going to probably get some hate mail from that, but I think he's freaking off the deep end, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He's talking about the fluoride in the water and uh, the frogs being turned gay and all this what? stuff. And then he, he's like, I can't take it. And he starts crying. And he's like, <laughs> oh like, my god <laughs> it's freaking hysterical all right oh boy <laughs> that's yeah uh, all right anyways <laughs> all right so drop us an itunes review and we'll read the review on the next episode email us at freefallrc at gmail.com facebook like us facebook.com slash freefallrc podcast don't forget to check out our website freefallrcpodcast.com uh, i can't do that i wanted to try to do a quick like um you know those ending like small print guys are like I think it's kind of go through it all but um yeah no i talk quick but not that quick like the old mighty's commercials mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah let's so i'll say hi to chris check out our website hey, say hey chris so, hey chris. chris see uh so what we got popping up there i actually haven't checked in a little while i need to go up there and uh scope it out see what we got up there yeah, dude, I haven't been on a site in a while either, yeah. man. You need to. Uh, we need to update the models too. I think he could have like he could have a picture of me with a blacked out tooth and like a pick black eye that he just drew in like in paint shop, and I wouldn't even <laughs> know <best> it. Paint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know he's probably gonna do that now. <laughs> <laughs> if he does, I hope he lets me know. Yeah, <laughs> nah, he'll just wait for you to actually go on the site and look. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, don't forget. Check out our forums on Flight Test Forums. Say hi to Nick. Hi, Nick. What's up, Nick? I was happy to hear from him today. He's still alive. Yeah. You didn't ditch us for the FTCC, guys. <laughs> all right. Located off the field, audio video production. Other than Flight Test Podcast, Free for RC Podcast. We sit right next to the Flight Test Community Cast. Hey, Pat, Joel, and Mike. Nice. What's up, guys? Did you listen to the last episode? Oh, dude, now you're going to put me on the spot? Yes. I listened to the last one with... um With TJ? Yeah, I thought I listened to that one, but the most recent one I listened to was uh the one with Chris, the After Hours one. The After Hours, but the, yeah, FTCC guys. Joel was like, yeah, the, the Free 4C guys always give us a shout-out at the end, so we'll oh, give yeah. one. So, yeah, I think it was like, I forgot what minute mark it was. I didn't get a chance to log it, but it was a little bit towards uh, the middle, towards the end part. Um, but, yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, those guys are the best. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Guys are thanks, awesome. Mike. All right. Uh, so, thanks to our listeners from the Free4RC podcast crew. 
free us, guys, and we'll see you next time. All right. See you. Now I got to watch Disney this weekend. I want to watch the Herbie. See Dean Jones, dude. Yeah. He's in like every Herbie movie except for the one with uh You there? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Sorry, man. I I knocked off my uh, I knocked off my line six, man. Nothing but problems tonight. Uh, oh boy, man. Knocked it off the table. Mister Technical Difficulties. Yes, huh? please stand by. <laughs> now I got to watch Disney this weekend. I want to watch Herbie. See Dean Jones, dude. Herbie. Yeah. Yes. He was in like every Herbie movie except for the one with um, who's the redhead chick with the big boobs? What's her name? That went crazy. Mm, I don't know. Ah, uh, forget. She was in Mean Girls. Mm, Come know. on, really, dude? Oh, do I look like a guy who watched Mean Girls before? I don't know. Do I look like a guy that knows a Madonna song or has a Madonna album? I don't, but I could probably write the lyrics down. I've heard them so many times. Let me see. This has probably been on freaking TV 80 billion times. Lindsay Lohan. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, Lindsay Lohan. Yes. Yeah, she She's was a redhead? A, she was a redhead. Yeah, she was in Herbie. She was a redhead for a long time. Really, dude? Am I that old? Oh, wait, wait. You're talking about the remake Herbie. Yeah. You're not talking about the original. I'm talking about Dean Jones was in every Herbie except for the remake, is what I said. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was in the original and like the spinoff and then the spinoff and there was like four Herbie movies. Yeah, it was like four or five, I think. Yeah. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo and Herbie rides again. Yeah, all that good stuff. All right, dude. So are we done? Yeah, just doing the Facebook thing right now. Let me stop the record.